You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's Friday, and we're talking a little Bengals football. We're talking a lot of different things regarding the combine, all kinds of different things, having some fun. We've got a special guest. I'm Anthony. He's John. And uh, first of all, John, how you doing, bud? Good to good good to see you again after a couple day hiatus. Yeah, I got my jokes in about your LA weather a couple days ago. Now it's monsooning here in Cincinnati. So oh, it is. What goes around comes around, I guess. Well, I, I heard when we were on the air the other night. I mean, I heard some of that rain come down on the window when we were when we were going live, but uh, I didn't know it got that bad. But uh, hopefully, you guys are staying dry. And we have a special guest. You probably, if you are a YouTube subscriber, you probably saw his the episode of his show Three and Out with his buddy Kevin hit uh, yesterday afternoon, yesterday evening, I guess. Jason Garrison, who contributes for Cincy Jungle. Jason, what's going on, man? Good to see you. Thank you. Thanks for thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, it is. It's t- raining terribly. It's been raining all day. My backyard's <laughs> a lake. It's awful. It's a lake. Oh, you got to get yeah. the slip and slide out then, man. Yeah, go, I know. Go right? uh, go uh, have some fun with the kiddos yeah. out there. Slip and slide out there. But uh, well, good to see you guys. We're going to kind of talk about some of the stuff going on with the combine with the Bengals, and then of course fielding questions from folks. If you are so inclined, you can uh, shoot us a text or a phone call. 949-542-6241. You can leave your question in the live chats, either on the uh, if you're watching live through our YouTube channel or through the Cincy Jungle Facebook page, you can do that. You can tweet one of us. Um, you can tweet the, the website. There's a running comment section on CincyJungle.com on the post there, so you can leave a comment there. We'll be kind of monitoring all different things. YouTube super chats take precedence there. So those those will get uh, first looks there, and someone needs to go get their phone, I guess, right? Um, That's a work phone. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, I'm right. really thinking about that. <laughs> that's all right. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's kind of talk about some things as we get get updated on some things and wait for some of these questions to roll on in here. I think we had one at the top though, um, and, and this will kind of be not only a question that we can field, but we talked about it right before we went the air. Nolan Smith, I think, was the guy that ran the insane 439 as an edge defender uh at the combine there which is incredible i i guess i mean can they land nolan smith i, I guess we'll see you know these are the types of things how much do these you got to go back and look at the tape when you find these types of things right john i mean you, you got to match the tape with the athletic skills and all of that but um can he can the Bengals land that land him potentially 
you know, I, I guess I wonder because they don't really go. They haven't got well, who's the last edge defender they've taken really, really high. Um, I mean, they usually wait kind of day two, day three sometimes for some of these guys. So I don't know. It would be like, it'd be like Carl's Dunlap. Um, yeah. Like a, he was second. He was second round. round. Yeah. Yeah. But like yeah. the first round, what Justin Smith, Justin Smith. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Well, I like can't Nolan, think of anyone like Nolan Smith is <laughs> people were so shocked, like appalled at the fact that he ran like a sub four, which makes sense. He's an edge. He's 238 pounds. Like it's not the same as, you know, some other guys who are North of 280 running like in the right. four fives or anything like that. But also he was the number one recruit at coming out of high school for Georgia. So like, he's always been this freak type of athlete and, I feel like this probably confirmed he's going to go in the first round just because these types of athletes don't normally fall out of the first 32 picks. But there's, I think, a lot of questions that linger with him. Um, His production at Georgia, even being there for four years, is not necessarily the greatest. I know that's an issue with a lot of guys who kind of hail from Alabama or Georgia just because they're on stacked rosters. But you never really saw him dominate like a true number one edge rusher does. But he's always had this athleticism in the back in his back pocket. It's why he ultimately ended up at the you know the best collegiate program in, in the nation right now. So I think there's definitely a chance he's still there at 28, just because I think there's still questions with him actually on the football field. It's kind of it's kind of the um, a little bit of the mold of the Clavon Chase on. Uh, player right I mean it, like the, the tall lean guy tested well because of it and then came from the big program um, and then you know you got to go back and you got to say uh, that that's the concern which you brought up John is just you know does the tape match what you know the the, the tools are that are being shown at the combine I mean, we know Jason that these guys specifically train for the combine just to have a good yeah. showing particularly if they're guys that don't have um, if, if they don't have strong, strong college tape, you know, they, they have to rely on this and, and these wow times or these wow performances and these drills to potentially up their draft stock. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a massive job interview. Uh, I mean, that's that's all the combine is and the whole thing's just really kind of ridiculous. But uh, but yeah, <laughs> a lot of guys just train for a great showing at the combine, hoping that'll you know, up up their draft stock, and then it doesn't really translate to the field, and we see that happen all the time. So, yeah, we we do see it happen all the time. But uh, and then you know, some team happens to fall in love with some of these guys, and then they end up moving on there, um, or or they end up you know, I don't know, falling in love with them and taking them, or just kind of saying, yeah, that's just there's too much of a risk there. Um, but like just just last year though, like his Nolan Smith's teammate. Trayvon Walker dominated the combine and then he went first overall. Right. But he was like a much bigger athlete and he probably had more like desirable physical tools. But, you know, we, we see this happen all the time. Like a, a time like that, like 40 yard dashes typically move the needle more than anything in terms of, of draft positioning. So yeah, like he, he definitely did his job on, on, I guess Thursday. Who was, who was the one guy a handful of years ago? His name escapes me. He was an edge edge player from Ohio state that ended up going, Really, really high, and was one of the biggest. I think he went to the Jets, one of the biggest busts. Uh, Vernon Golston. Vernon Golston, that's the guy. Yeah. That's the yeah. guy. And that was the guy, remember, that, you know, he, he looked like a stud. The college production was up and down. And then all of a sudden, he blew the roof off of Lucas Oil Stadium at the combine. And then, you know, he Jets strike early with him. I think he was a t- definitely top 10. I think he was top five, top seven pick, I think. Um, and then just never amounted to anything. He just was a, a workout warrior type of guy. So, 
you know, you gotta, you know, buyer beware on some of this stuff. But John, I, I saw this one because we talked, you kind of mentioned this a little bit as we were going to get ready to take the air. This is from Drake Barry saying, saw that the Bengals met with Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid, Darnell Washington, and Sam Laporta. Do you think we have a shot at Mayer or Kincaid being there at 28? I think Kincaid, if I was just to throw my two cents in immediately here, uh, I think Kincaid probably has a better chance of being there than Mayer, um, just because Kincaid did not test here. Uh, he did have that injury at the Rose Bowl, and Mayer is kind of looked at as more of the overall kind of the overall NFL tight end, right? Does a little more in the blocking game, uh, li- lines up more traditionally than you know Kincaid, who does more slot work. But I think in today's NFL, Kincaid has a lot of value for an offense. I really like that kid, but I mean, I, I think the Bengals will have a shot and potentially one of those guys, maybe even uh, in the, you know, in the second round when they're on the clock. Yeah. Let's just get this out of the way. The Bengals have a shot at basically 95% of plays that anyone brings up. Like there's 5% that are, you know, probably locked for the top 15, but we've seen crazier things happen in the draft. Typically guys who just check all the boxes in terms of what they look like on film, how they test, what their production was, you know, if they interview well, like those guys typically don't fall out of the first 15, 20 picks, but everyone else is pretty much up in the air. Like no one really expected Tyler Linderbaum to last maybe as long as he did last year. There was some talk Mm -hmm. about how far he could drop, but you know, once the draft actually happens and just one domino kind of falls, you never know how the rest are going to fall. So with Mayer and Kincaid, I would, I would assume that at least one of them is going to be there. And like, I I don't think it's out of the the question that neither one, is going to be there. It's just interesting how the Bengals are taking a lot of attention to tight ends. We kind of expected that to be the case because they don't really have any, you know, long-term options at that spot yeah. right now. Cupboard's bare so, for sure. Yeah. And it's just a really talented class. So that either means that a lot of them are going to be flying off the board early in the first round, or teams all kind of think the same thing in regards to, well, if this class is so deep and there's no real need to take one in the first round, especially because it's, it's a position that doesn't always work out when you invest so early there. Like the sweet spot is typically between rounds three and five. So maybe that's just how every team kind of mind melts with this situation, but it definitely seems like the Bengals are interested in the top guys, which, you know, is definitely notable. I also think that, Last year in the draft, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but there was only one quarterback taken in the first round. That was Pickett, right? Yeah, and that's I don't think that's going to happen oh, again this year. It. So there's going to be – it was just kind of weird. You don't usually see that. There's going to be a run on quarterbacks where there might be four or five taken in the first round, which will push a lot of these guys back to 28 where we're – yeah, 28 where we're selecting. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then also, you know, you've got kind of an enigma going on with the number one overall pick because you're hearing now, the you know, the Bears have it right. And they're they're locked in apparently reportedly to Justin Fields, usually number team picking number one overall is getting uh, a quarterback. The Lions last year, though, picked number one overall. They took Hutchinson. Right. Um, so no quarterback there. So just kind of a, a little bit of anomalies and enigmas happening the last couple of years with the number one pick and then towards the top with, with quarterback stuff. I see Lindsey Brillhart asking a question. I, I'm going to rely on you two for this one, being the uh, the, the resident UC guys. Um, uh, do you guys think that the Bengals could or should take someone from the University of Cincinnati? Jason, I'll let you go first on this one, bud. Not not in the first round. Um, <laughs> but okay. but I, I would love to see Pace Jr., and I, I think he's going to be a great – I don't know if he – I think he's too small to play like a defensive end, but I could see him like a situational pass rusher, um, a guy who plays like outside linebacker. But he was such a good blitzing uh, linebacker for UC. 
And I know he did really well at the senior bowl. Um, but I could see maybe if, if he's available uh, day two, or I don't know if he'll be there in day three, but I, I'd like to see him here. Um, I don't know. I don't, what, what, what do you guys think? Oh, dude. Like, John, I mean, you got it. You got to weigh in, buddy. He, he, he was so good. You see, he was so good yeah. at the senior bowl. And now it's like, I, I hate always referring to the Marvin Lewis era, but it's still kind of fresh in my mind. Like sure. when, when it was back then, and you know he was always trying to find his Peter Bulware, like you know his Dante Moke that that didn't actually work out. You're always fearful of guys who were tweeners in that sense, like oh is he a linebacker? Is he an edge? Like there was some, there was even some BS going on with Carl Lawson his first two years, right? They weren't really sure yeah. how to use him. And now he was an outside like, linebacker on the roster, wasn't he? Exactly, exactly, right. Yeah. But now, at least for the time being, Luna Rumo's here, and I I feel like you just have ample amounts of confidence that you just give him someone like pace like he's going to find a way to utilize him effectively and consistently regardless of what his actual you know listed position is like he, the scheme that they run now is so multiple that he's not going to be locked in into one singular role he's not going to be utilized in any way that's going to minimize his impact so i feel like you have confidence now in the bengals taking on guys like pace and getting the most out of him. And obviously Josh Wiley is another one of these tight ends who is probably on the outside looking in of like that top four because he just didn't really end his career that well. But in his first like couple years of starting, you know, when they had Desmond Ritter at quarterback, like he mm-hmm. was, he, he was definitely about it. And, you know, strength, strength schedule, the, like those issues obviously come to, in, into play, but like he definitely looked the part as a guy that can stretch the field at tight end. And if you want to, you know, dip your hands into the position sometime on day two, maybe, maybe probably towards the third round. I, I feel like that's, that's a great spot to invest in him. I don't, I'm, I'm not sitting here and saying Wiley is Travis Kelsey. I, I'm not, I'm not going to say that at all, but I will say that when I was at the combine in 2003, Kelsey sat at the table by himself the entire time and nobody talked to him uh, because no one, I mean, he's coming out of UC and at the time UC was in the, what was what the big East. I, I think it was the very, the very end yeah. of the big East. And, uh, and it's going to be the same for a while, but I could see Wiley doing really well. I, he, like you said, I, he could really stretch the field. I could see him doing really well in the NFL. So. Well, let's, let's talk a little, I mean, I know we're focusing in on the draft combine, all that with everything going on, but let's, let's transition a little bit for the time being, because there's a question here in the live chat. We had a text uh, from a little while ago, kind of centering around a free agent situation. I'm going to share this screen with you guys. Um, I think I've pulled up the story at least. Um, I haven't yet. Let me pull up the story, but basically a quote from Duke Tobin came out from the combine, he he had a lot of gems aside from the old get your own T Higgins type of <laughs> type of playground bully here. But we're going to spend to the cap, is what Duke Tobin recently told everybody at the NFL Combine, meaning that the Bengals. I, I think also part of that is not only re-signing the guys that they have in house, and that's probably one of their primary focuses, if not the primary focus. But I think also it does point to potentially going outside again and trying to make uh, improvements that way. So you see with that quote being kind of in the background, you see a um, question here from Sean uh, Krutka saying, what position do you see the Bengals spending the most on in free agency? And then we had a text from Dan in Tennessee kind of to piggyback on that one. Are the Bengals for sure going to move off of Lael Collins at this point in time? First impressions, John. What do you when you look at all of this in the landscape of this quote here from Duke Tobin? What do you what do you see and what are you feeling? 
what is the cap? Is, is it the actual cap or is it the Bengals cap? Because the Bengals cap has remained the same for, I don't know, as long as I've been alive. It's always about eight, nine, ten million under what the actual ceiling yep. is, just because you have to pay your draft class, you have to pay off the rookie the pool, John. The of course, rookie pool, of course, right? And I, I don't think there's anything, left Jeff Hobson in the rookie pool. I don't, pool. I don't think there's anything wrong with that because, like this past year, I think the Bengals had their lowest amounts of rollover cap space going into this season in recent memory. I think it was only like two or so millions, usually in that five to six million range, and that gives them more space in the coming years. But then it basically gets netted out because you don't spend all the way again to the league wide cap. I this is open for interpretation because Duke Toba doesn't have to say specifically what cap he's going to spend at, but the Bengals always spend to their cap. They always end up at about 10 or 9 million space. And until that changes, that's just what I expect. Jason, I don't don't know. I mean, you've, you've, yeah, I think you and I, I mean, have, have uh, maybe not as much knowledge as our buddy, John Sharon, but we have more years following this team because of years accrued on the planet uh right. following uh, following this team so we have seen truly seen and experienced it all in terms of free agency with the Cincinnati Bengals but here here's uh, I, and I kind of want you to focus if you can a little bit on the Collins situation too if you could but I mean again the backdrop here Duke Tobin we're going to spend to the cap uh Sean asking the question where do you see the Bengals spending the most in free agency and might it be right. a right tackle because of the layout Collins situation I don't I don't know um I don't I personally don't see them signing Leo Collins. And then even though he struggled in pass protection and stuff like that for a part of the year, and then they lost him to a knee injury, I don't see them re- just flat out replacing him or cutting him. I, I They could. I just don't see it happening. Via free um, agency, you mean? Right, right, via free agency. Yeah. But I could see a situation where they sign somebody that would start the year because I don't know if Leo Collins is going to be – available at the beginning of the year i mean i his his injury came in week what 16 or 15 mm-hmm. you know and it was i mean it was pretty bad one i don't know if he's going to be available so i could see them signing someone for uh for depth and then maybe working collins back in uh i also think that i saw uh i don't know if it was frank pollock that said it or if it was uh the offensive coordinator that said that they have um that uh, Jackson Carmen's in the mix for right tackle at the beginning right. of the at the year. So Pollard, I don't know right. if, if it's, if, if I had to predict a position that they're going to spend the most, I would say tackle, whether it be left tackle or right tackle, because I, I think that either Collins or Jonah Williams is going to have to be replaced either this year or next year. So well, Jonah, well, yeah, we, well, they're not replacing Jonah this year. Like he's, he's going right. to start at that cap hit hundred yeah. percent. But yeah, like it, it's interesting because I think if it was up to them, if they could, be assured that they could find a tackle in round one or two to, to just develop for a year, they would take that. But I don't think they can go into the draft with those assurances just because you don't know when that run on tackles is going to go. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, Jason. I feel like a guy like Cameron Fleming who signs for like some incentive to like start this year just because he's got a relationship already with Frank Pollock with his days in Dallas, like a guy that can just spot start for half the year. Maybe if he has to go a bit more, that's the case. But I, I just don't see like the, you know, the Mike McGlinchies of the world being attracted here just because I don't, I don't think they're going to give up on Lyle just, just yet. Right. I, yeah. And I don't, I don't know that that's music to a lot of people's ears, at least if you're, you know, keeping tabs on Twitter and everything about that. But yeah, I, I think it is, you know, in one vein, it's like, you know, you kind of you kind of saw the what everybody was warned about with Leal Collins and the Bengals signing him, the missed practices, the injuries, the sometimes inconsistency. 
that all came to fruition last year. Uh, and then, you know, you did see towards the middle end of the season, a, a handful of games, a small handful of games of dominance, right? Where he had, and, and they were against, I think, largely weaker opponents, but still uh, signs of dominance, signs of that, of being that guy. So in, in a lot of ways, it's still kind of premature in the contract that they signed Lael Collins to, uh, to get rid of him. But at the same time, like, you know, we I, a couple of weeks ago we talked about Juwan Taylor, the tackle out of um, out of Jacksonville. There, a young ascending player who has not missed a game in four seasons. Um, albeit he's had some struggles in in run blocking, Goodyear pass protecting last year. So that, I mean, there's it's kind of the switch off there from from Collins to him in terms of what they do and don't do. But um, you know, I mean you you need to have someone that you can rely upon basically at that position. And Collins went in there. He, he can be effective, but it's just, it's hard to be able to rely on him in season or even coming into this season. So for me, I, I guess it sounded like a little bit, Jason, what you were talking about is kind of a, a little bit of a Riley reef type of situation at right. right tackle for the Bengals who they signed. I mean, granted they signed him to be the starter at that point, but, and there wasn't kind of this Collins situation that they have now, but kind of that, stopgap maybe for a year type of veteran signing that's easy on the pocketbook easy on the cap hit type of thing where you feel like not a top end starter but can be effective and can kind of steady the ship a little bit maybe that's where they go they could also as we know fellas they could look at cuts that occur after the draft because teams release players depending on who they you know who they pick and positions they pick in their draft or the post june one cuts Right. I mean, these are all these are all uh, elements that they could look at and say, hey, there's a guy out there we did not really expect to be out there. Let's take a look. Yeah, I could absolutely see a situation where they sign uh, like a Riley Reef, um, you know, a guy to right tackle. And then after June 1st, sign somebody else or something like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't expect them to make a huge splash in free agency at the tackle position just because they have. Williams and and the Bengals are loyal. That's one thing that they are. They're loyal to their to their guys. And I I just don't see them signing Leo Collins some three year deal and and cutting him loose after one. And we don't really know how healthy he was. I know he had uh, some back issues in the preseason. Uh, I don't know. You know, I know those injuries can linger. I don't know if that held him up all year. And then and then obviously the knee injuries. Yeah, I mean, and that's why like they can't just do nothing there right, right. Like they, they knew all this going in that's why they structured the contract the way that they did so it, it's definitely the most fascinating position to watch just because there's no like just simple solution to this if someone's going to you know have, maybe have their ego kind of hit a little bit yeah. yeah yeah that is that is for sure vacations can be tricky you already know how to book flights and hotels but now the only thing you're missing is you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. 
Real Traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, we're going to get to some more questions. Definitely leave those for us. Call or text 949-542-6241. We're trying to keep an eye on that. Uh, but a lot of questions are coming through the live YouTube chat as well as the live Facebook chat. So uh, send those to us there. If you've got one via Twitter, send it to one of us uh, or the Cincy Jungle account. And we'll take a look at that. Or, of course, um, the live comment stream on since you jungle the post that we have going there. So we'll be here for a little while longer. Want to remind folks that if you are new here, welcome. I'm seeing some new names, uh, which is, which is cool. Submitting questions and whatnot in the, in the live chat. So welcome to some newbies. If you are new, or if you just happen to finally catch one of these and submit a question, that's cool too. But you can subscribe to this show and all of the Cincy jungle podcast shows on your favorite audio streamer, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of them. And our guy Jason just added a, a show as well, three and out, as we mentioned. So that'll be part of the slate along with what Bengal Jim does, what John and I do, and what Matt Minnick, the coach Matt Minnick does on his Coach Speak and Chalk Talk episodes. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel via the little show icon underneath the SB Nation Cincy Jungle icon there beneath John and next to Jason. Click that, click subscribe. Click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available. And of course, smash the thumbs up on both our videos, if you can, as well as on the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. There's like 80K people following that uh, that account, which is awesome. But yes, and we would, as as Phaeton the fourth said again, a hearty congratulations to our guy, John, who just accepted a new position. We talked about Jason's show that he's bringing to the table. John, remind us once again where people got to go check out your stuff, your writing stuff. Uh, obviously, you're going to bring it on on the podcast, but uh, tell us about the the big gig. Yeah, man. Um, as of, I believe, Wednesday, I'm officially employed with A to Z Sports. I'm going to be covering the Bengals and other AFC North teams. I, I have to write about the Steelers, actually, so that should be... That should be interesting, and um, yeah, good luck with that. Title is yeah, right. <laughs> official title is divisional editor and Bengals uh, reporter and writer. So that, that sh- it should be, it's quite the jump, you know. It's 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 a move that I'm 
working for for quite some time and you know being at Cincy Jungle has really prepared me for for this and you know like I said like I'm not officially out the door of, of CJ yet I've got about another week of that but um yeah um obviously keep going to, to Cincy Jungle but if you have you have some time you know hop on over to a to z sports.com slash Cincinnati for s- some other takes as well well, well first we will for sure do that and don't forget us little little people uh <laughs> on your on your way over there dude um I love and I want you guys to pick pick some questions too but I love this question from our guy Dave Lennox who is an avid viewer and watcher what events could you guys excel at or be terrible at at the combine what what do you guys think you would be you would be pretty good at and what i don't know should we do best event worst event um let's do that best yeah. event, well, worst event. well you're avoiding his initial question which is how many reps of at 225 can you put up anthony me yeah. uh i you know i could probably put right now that's that's about what i rep uh in the bench press as it is so i would probably put up if I was really trying to slam out just one thing, I would probably get to 12 to 15, I think. Um, so that was probably, yeah, I didn't even think about that event. I was thinking more of the on-field stuff. I So I guess I would do okay at that. Um, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I'm not, you know, offensive lineman. I could probably get to 12 or 15 reps on the bench, I think, at this point. Um, and that's with the, the the recovering elbow, John Sheeran, remember? Mm-hmm. The, yeah. uh, the injury there, but uh, oh, come so on. That it's, been one, like a, it's been like a year and a half, man. That come one, on. and, I, and I actually can kind of catch pretty well. I can catch pretty well, but I'm not fast. I can't I can't jump at all. Um, so I can catch pretty well. I can throw pretty well. I could bench press, but I, I you know, I couldn't do the, um, you know, the, the, the high jump, the long jump, any of that crap. I can't, I can't do any of that stuff. Bro, Is there I, a drill? I, Go ahead. Sorry. No, like I, I always used to practice the the, the L drill or the three cone when I was younger. I always like really, that. yeah. I I thought that drill was so cool and like you know show showcases your ankle flexation. I don't know if I could do it uh, very well now, but you know I, I like sprinting. I like I like the ten yard or the t- t- short shuttle, which I guess is twenty yards or whatever. So yeah, the, some type of those events. I feel like it'd be I could be decent. You're you're shifty. You're quick. I like yeah. it. <laughs> I'm slow, I'm not quick, and I'm weak. So I <laughs> I think, you know, I, I, I can catch. I can do that okay. If you, you know, the, the drill where the receivers run down the field and they're receiving passes from either side, mm-hmm. I could maybe do that, but it's going to take me a long time to get from one end to the other, field to the other. Uh, I'd, so I'd say that's my best drill. If they don't time me, if they, uh... and then my worst drill would be, I, it has to be the 40. I, I mean, it would be like a, one of those nine second kind of things. Oh my bad. gosh. It would be. What, not, what, not do nine. Guys, what do you think you would run in a 40 realistically? What do you realistically? Guys think you run for? Yeah. I, I'm going to say six. I'm going to be right around six, six five wow. and a half, okay. five and a half to six. You're, yeah. you're at the rich eyes in time, time. Type yeah. Time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. John, John, I feel like you could, you could, could you, could you crack five? You think Ooh, I, I could not crack five. I feel like no? you, you could, you could put, basically 90% of Americans into a bucket of like five, six to six, two. And there's just no differentiating basically <laughs> one at that point. If you, if you run, fa- if you run faster than five, five, I, I would consider you pretty, uh, pretty fast for just a normal human being, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think I could crack five, even if I, even if I worked at it a little, I, in my, in my heyday, I could probably run real high fours, but I, there's, I don't think I could crack five. There's no way I, I'd in- probably be low to mid fives. I think. In my heyday, I think I could be five, two, five, three. But yeah, now today, 
If I ran, if I ran faster than six, you'd have to have a wheelchair to cart me off the field. <laughs> so I just tear every ligament I have. Hamstrings explode on yeah, the field. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They're bringing out the stretcher uh, immediately. Well, some some of the guys. Look at this segue I'm going to provide everybody here. Some of the guys have been running excellent forties at the combine, including a guy that has kind of started to emerge a little bit on the Bengals' radar. I guess radar from. A fan standpoint, at least, uh, there hasn't been a lot of dots connected to him per se from the team. But Kalijah Kansi just ran really, really well yesterday. But the arm measurement is, I, I think, was it you, John, who put out on Twitter? It's some of the shortest in history, or was that Joe Goodberry, maybe? That was Joe. Um, yeah. And then, you know, we, we kind of, when you compare him to some of the better defensive tackles, namely Geno Atkins, Aaron Donald, uh, they're, they're about two to two and a half inches long at longer in terms of arm length. But this guy ran a sub four seven. Um, and we know, uh, you know, the production and the skills and just the true three tech that is a pass rusher. Um, that that's just a, a kind of a menace of a guy. I don't know your thoughts about this guy. Does he last to 28? Might he be the guy the Bengals look at at 28? Is he Geno Atkins 2.0 or Geno Atkins light um, arm? arm trouble or uh, arm length trouble you at all with the with the speed that kind of negates that a little bit John I feel like if you're ever looking for for outliers I guess um it, there, there's some things that you can't fall short of and for me that's just like s- certain athletic traits for certain positions definitely just how you produced in college and if you looked competent in college and as far as those three general you know, boxes, Cansey has checked all three of them. So if his one downside is that his arms are short, which it's, it's not nothing, it's still something to, to take into account for, especially when you're trying to project these guys to certain teams. You have to look at maybe the Bengals' history about what typically have they targeted targeted in terms of physical measurements at each position, in this case, would be defensive tackle. So we'll have to go back and see if there's anything that kind of tells us that they would kind of lean in that direction but in terms of all the things that matter the most in terms of projecting a guy in the nfl like he's checked all the boxes and if you and I, and I tweeted out like if he didn't play for Pitt, maybe teams would be more liable to mess this up but i mean you're looking at an undersized defensive tackle who definitely looks the part on tape who looks the part at the combine he looks the part on the box score and on, and on the stat sheets everything is checking here that like yeah he's not he may not be aaron donald but we saw the impact that Aaron Donald had at that size with that skill set, and he's, he's playing with the same helping on. So I feel like that's an easy comparison to make. It's obviously very irresponsible to compare anyone to maybe the greatest defensive player of our lifetimes. But yeah, the guy's a bona fide first round talent, and I don't think you know thirty inch arms should take away from that. Right, uh, it, Jason. I I want to because when you look at Geno Atkins, he's six one, varied between a little under three hundred to right around three hundred pounds at his playing weight. You know, you talk about Aaron Donald, kind of similar there. I'd have to look up his specific stats because I don't want to totally misspeak. But, you know, the profile is is somewhat sim- similar there. I think Kansi's at about 280, and he's about six feet. So, I mean, there's some similarities with the size and everything. And, what guys, what Geno Atkins really did well for a guy that was picked in the fourth round, what he excelled at was the use of leverage and the use of his lo- lower center of gravity and his, his ability to get – use that to his advantage against much bigger and sometimes even strong. I mean, he was exceptionally strong himself, but sometimes even bigger or stronger offensive lineman with the long arms. And he was able to get, to get in there and be effective. So I, you know, that has to be the hope with this guy, Jason, that has the shorter arms, but still the, the immense speed, the good tape and the ability to get, 
to the passer, you know, you, he's going to have to rely on some of those types of abilities that, right. um, you know, th- that a guy like Geno Atkins did where you kind of go, well, that's where he made his living is utilizing those strengths. Right. And you said that, that maybe he could be Geno 2.0 or Geno light and Geno light is enough for any. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, Geno yeah. Atkins, uh, I don't, I, how long has he been? Has he been out of the league for three years? Right. Mm, three at least two two, yeah Yeah. so uh i mean i expect gino atkins to go in the hall of fame uh as an interior pass rusher um but yeah gino light would be yeah he should be but gino light would be more than enough to uh to add this guy at uh at 28 um but yeah i I think using you know his his strengths uh which would be you know speed and then the lower center of gravity like you said uh to kind of offset those those um 30 inch arms I, i think that He's done that in college. Uh, there's no reason to think he couldn't do it in the NFL. Don't want to sound like a broken record, but John and I have talked about this a little bit. One of the players the Bengals missed the most last year in terms of effect that he brought in 2021 was Larry Ogunjobi. Now, Larry Ogunjobi was a guy that is a lot bigger. Uh, I think he's, you know, 3'10", three, 3'20", three, 3 or something like that. So he's a lot bigger, but he was a guy that just was that interior pass rush, interior tackle for loss guy. And the Bengals, you know, when they lost that kind of rotational piece there, they paid B.J. Hill. They kind of tried to do some things with Zachary Carter, who who ended up flashing later in the year and kind of mixed and mashed, uh, you know, matched some things there. But they need kind of a consistent guy that they can, you know, cycle in there and and be able to get that extra quarterback sack, get get that tackle for loss to derail a drive and, and alleviate some snaps from some of these guys um, up front, too. I think I think that's where a guy like this makes sense and. I know uh, this is going to be music to our guy John's ears, and this is um, this is <laughs> calling me out like that. What? <laughs> well, you're a big running back, high pick, uh, high pick. Don't spend the second contract money, guy. So, I and I'm with you in a lot of respects here. I, I've been talking. I was on a show last night, Bengals and Brews, with our buddies, um, talking about this guy, and I've been hearing a lot of talk about it. Jason, I know you talked about it on your show with with yep. Kevin. Here's here's my thing with it. I've kind of gone back and forth with this. I, I'm kind of of the old school mindset. Don't use a first round pick on a, a running back, even if it does seem to be a generational type of guy like Bijan Robinson. I, I kind of use the uh, kind of an odd and uh, you know analogy, but I kind of say he's kind of that. Uh, if you want to use a baseball analogy, that five tool player. I guess he's a three or four tool player as a running back. You know, a guy that just kind of can do everything well, but I say, you know, Bengals have done well in the second round with guys who weren't the top back build in that particular draft, and they still did pretty well with some of these guys they've drafted in the second round. Maybe they go that route. But if – when I'm going to connect a few dots here. If Duke Tobin's statement about we're going to spend to the cap, and maybe that means a Jawan Taylor at right tackle or or a McGlinchey at right tackle to potentially solidify that position, you're able to retain a lot of your guys or extend a lot of your guys – and you've taken care of a bunch of needs in free agency, and the board falls a certain way, you're picking at 28, which is just a hand, small handful of picks away from the second round anyway, and this guy's there. If you move on from mixing, and you've taken care of your needs in free agency, I don't know, man. It would be hard to say no to this if you feel like you've knocked a lot of check marks off the list. Why is he there, I guess, is, is my question. 
Um, the the positional devaluation that well, that would well, really be. Despite that, it, it seems like he's gotten a lot of buzz to you know go top twenty, which even for like for a running back is pretty pretty crazy. Now we don't see that basically anymore. So he seems to be that guy who seems to be special enough to kind of to kind of buck this trend. We had someone earlier asking about whether or not they should trade up for him. I remember. Like in 2012, I'm like, yeah, Trent Richardson looks really nice. It'd be nice if the Bengals could trade up for him. Oof. That was the last Oof. time I ever thought about anything like that. <laughs> like, so yeah, of course, um, if the most talented running back to come into the draft in like the last couple of years is there at the very end of the first round, like that's the only way that you could, you know, justify that. Don't go out of your way to make to make it happen. But even still, like, and I don't want to be disrespectful to, to Bijan, but. I look at what the Chiefs did right after they won a Super Bowl, and they spent a first-round pick on Clyde Edwards-Elair. Now, obviously, Edwards-Elair, I don't think, is the same prospect as Bijan, but the the thought process was the Chiefs are pretty much built like a really, really good team, like the best team in the NFL. They have no other glaring needs. Might as well just take a running back. If the Chiefs could do that over, they would do it over 10 times out of 10. The very next player that went was T. Higgins, right? Like, that's always going to be in the back of everyone's mind. Like how much value does one running back have? And I, I just, I just don't see it. Even if the cards are perfectly laid out in front of you like that. I just think about the, so the two teams that we were in the Super Bowl is you have the chiefs who their primary running back was Isaiah Pacheco. And then you had miles Sanders. And I don't even know, I'm looking at it now. Uh, Pacheco was seventh round pick. Miles Sanders was a second round pick, but Miles Sanders had this like weird career arc where he didn't really do anything for a while and everyone thought they were going to move on. And then all of a sudden he took off. Uh, I, this is Joe Burrow's team. uh, Just like the chiefs are Patrick Mahomes team. And just like the, um, the uh, Eagles are Jalen hurts teams. I don't want to take the ball out of Joe Burrow's hand to give to a flashy new running back just because he was selected in the first round. And then you're not going to be able to keep him, you know? Uh, But I just think that I, I, I don't think the path to the Super Bowl is a running back's going to help them. So I, I just don't think they should ever draft a running back in the first round. It would need to be a luxury pick, meaning, yeah. again, that they've taken care of a lot of different needs. They've taken care of a lot of different things in free agency. Where, and the board falls a certain way. Maybe the couple of tight ends that they really liked in the first round are gone. Your offensive tackles are gone that you want to develop, you know, those guys. And so then you're just like, well, this guy's here. We can we can use him well in our offense. And it's a, you know, a cheaper guy for. Um, you know, in terms of what Joe Mixon's cap hit is and can can do a lot of the things, if not more than than what Mixon provides. So that's where I, I think it does make sense. What I would hate to see is if the Bengals continue to have offensive line issues or injuries or what have you, and you draft a guy like that in the first round and he's relegated to either a, a good portion of his snaps, a lot of his snaps, most of his snaps as a pass blocker. He's, yeah. he's able, he's good at it, and that's that's wonderful that he can bring that to the table. But if you draft a guy like that and you're doing what basically the Bengals did to Giovanni Bernard at the end of his career where you're like, you know, electric guy with the ball in his hands and we have to have him in to pick up blitzes because we can't <laughs> we can't yeah. pick up any up front, I would hate I that's where I would say that that pick would drive me nuts at that point if you end up having to utilize him in a large large way as a pass blocker. So the only way I don't throw a brick through my TV on draft night, when if if they were to take Robinson in the first round, is if they have like a perfect offseason. They sign the guys that they should sign on, like you like you said, on the offensive line. 
They have the depth that they need at defense. Everything, everything's ready to go. And this is every any pick at 28 would just be a luxury, like you said. If he's available, then sure. But I just don't see how that's possible to happen for any team. Just yeah. to have it perfect before the draft starts. I mean, and there's also just from a philosophical standpoint, like I, I don't want to spend first round picks on any position or any player that I don't foresee giving a second contract. Like those those picks that I mean, that's just your first pick in the draft. Yeah. You want to take a potential franchise cornerstone player. Now, again, be drafting in the late first round, it, it muddies the water a little bit. But there's typically guys at those premium spots that, you know, one or two guys up falling. And the, the smart teams, in my opinion, just take those guys at those positions that you can build your team around for the next five, six, seven years. Like there was a conversation last year about like Devontae Wyatt, who was, you know, the, the defensive tackle out of Georgia. Like there was thoughts about him being available for the Bengals first round pick. I'm like, this guy is 24 years old. He has some other issues to deal with. Like, I don't know if, if you want to, to extend this guy after his first contract. And I feel like a running back kind of only accelerates that conversation. Yeah, I mean, and you know, that's a good point. You could get four, four years out of them. You could get five if you exercise that option. Maybe six if you franchise after that option. But you know, as we've seen, second contracts with running backs are a mixed bag at the very, very best, if not, uh, not always the wisest. But a, a guy who's talented for sure and can do a lot of different things. But um, it, it would, it would be a tough decision, I think, in a lot of different respects, depending on how the board fell, what the Bengals do in free agency and whatnot. Should he be available when they pick? All right. What do you guys see either in the live chats or something you were tweeted um, that I may have missed here? Because we're going to start wrapping up in a few minutes. I just want to give a shout out to a, a guy who <laughs> he, he should have completely won the day yesterday. But the fact that he was listed as a defensive end instead of a defensive tackle kind of diminished things a little bit. And I don't think that's right. Adi Tamiwa, Adi Barre, like at a Northwestern, is about the same size as... Kalijah Kansi, but he's listed as a defensive end, and he ran a four four nine, and he has, I think, almost thirty four inch arms. So there's no question about his size and his physicality, and he also shows up on tape, and he's also incredibly productive coming out of Northwestern. Now doesn't have like the straight up volume stats, but compared to Northwestern's defense, he was really productive, and that's what really matters in terms of translating success. So if there, if he's there at twenty eight, I'm probably booking. The, the the pick up to the commissioner like figure out what his position is but he's he's gonna dominate in, in the gap there and, and like there's just no issues on my end as far as translating success into the nfl for him my guy tuli tui pulotu uh did not run a 40 um but i think john if i if i and jason chime in too if you've caught this i'm, I'm looking it up right now i had heard yeah he he so he played last year at close to 290, he was playing defensive tackle and defensive end. Um, and that's kind of the situation where I think a lot of people were like, well, where do you put him? Because he was making plays at both positions. We talked about that when we previewed him, John. He weighed in yesterday at 266. So he, a, a guy who's playing weight was at 290 where you're like, man, this this could be your three tech. And then you potentially on certain downs can pop him outside, inside. You know, you can kind of rotate him around. Now it appears he has leaned out quite a bit. Um, and is maybe aiming to be an edge player only, maybe because that position boosts his stock a bit more than an interior defensive lineman. I don't know. But that one, you know, a guy that I just really 
love for a variety of reasons, um, and especially potentially with the Bengals and how Lou Anarumo can get creative with a guy like that. Seeing a guy go from about 285, 290 to 266 weighing in at the combine, especially when he was kind of a tweener player as it is, that was kind of something where I go, well, okay. Yeah, and, and I've kind of similar concerns to Emmanuel Forbes, who's the cornerback at Mississippi State, projected to go in the first two rounds. He weighed in at 166. Name a cornerback. That's 166 that pounds. No, yeah. like it, it, it doesn't exist. Like there's only been three others who weighed less than 170 at the combine since 2000. None of them have been drafted. So he ran, I think, I think he officially ran in like the four threes as we as we're speaking right now. And I don't know if I don't know if he lost weight to confirm that speed, but like now you have an offseason where he's gonna have to bulk up at least 15 pounds for any NFL team to be interested in him, probably. So that that and go ahead, Jason, if you got thoughts on that. But um... well, I was gonna say that. It doesn't matter how fast you are if you're too light to uh, stop any wide receiver from just pushing you down on the ground or blowing you over with a strong breath. It doesn't really matter anymore. <laughs> well, Phaeton here says um, Bengals met with a few cornerbacks, Phillips, Forbes, and Ringo. They're projected round one, early round two. I mean, is this – so I, I just bring this up because of who you just talked about, John. I mean, is this – is this a guy, well, you know, maybe this guy's actually available now round three, round four, and you feel like you can bulk him up or you feel like you can get some weight on him and, and teach him. I mean, is it, again, is that even worth one of those one of those risks where you go, man, this is just, just goes against conventional wisdom when you, dra- <laughs> when you draft one of these guys. But if you're saying, hey, this is a guy who was once thought of as an early round pick and now we're talking day three flyer round, you know, round four or whatever. I mean, is that something where you go, yeah, what the hell? take it and see if you can work on maybe but i think this class is set up perfectly for the bengals the cornerback class because there are 10 guys who i think will end up having probably top 50 grades for a lot of people like darius rush is another one he's had he's having a great day i think a four three seven out of south carolina there's um clark phillips who's a little bit smaller cornerback out of utah he probably fits in the slot but he's also going to run really well or he has already run really well there's just a lot of cornerbacks and you know I'm assuming at least the four are going to be off the board by the time the Bengals pick, but I, I would I would think that the fifth or sixth cornerback in this class is probably a clear top five cornerback in other classes. It's just that deep, and the Bengals obviously love cornerbacks early in the draft. And honestly, mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a need that not a lot of people are talking about enough, just because like Eli Apple has been so valuable for the Bengals just because of, of injuries to either Trey Waynes or Cam Taylor Britt. And if you're entering this season probably without him just because it might just be time to move on, then you have Chide Wouzier, who's in one year left on this contract. He's coming off of a torn ACL. Off, yeah. And then Cam Taylor Britt's all you have left as a starter. And then Mike Hilton is still in your slot at 29 years old. So they need they still need an injection of youth at that spot. And I feel like in the late the late part of the first round with this class, it's it really sets them up well to take one in the first two rounds. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I I I personally think that that's what's going to happen is I think they're going to take a defensive back in the first couple rounds just because, like you said, they need an injection of youth, but also there's no depth. Mm-hmm. I mean, after, you know, if, if a Wouzier is healthy, you know, he'll start opposite Cam Darrow Britt and you got Mike Hilton. And after that, I'm not 100% sure who's on the roster. I don't know if they'll bring Eli Apple back. Uh, I mean, I think he's played the best football of his career in Cincinnati, but I, I, I think it, it might be time to move on just partially because of his age or, or if he signs for more money elsewhere because of how well he played here. Um, but yeah, they absolutely need some depth and they need, uh, and then if Wuzier moves on after this year, they, they're going to need someone else to, to step up. And also uh, they, 
don't have, I mean, you have Dex Hill, I think that a lot of people think are going to step in and they're going to, he's going to play that free safety role, but, but Von Bell's a free agent as well. I don't really know if Tyson Anderson's going to be healthy or or if they're going to be able to bring Von Bell back. I think most people believe they will. So I could see a defensive back taken first, second round for sure. Maybe multiple. Yeah. Maybe within the first handful of picks. Yeah. Uh, All right, guys, we're going to start closing up. Anything else you guys want to get to that you're seeing in these live chats before we hop on out? It stopped raining. Finally. Oh, did it. So, Small yeah. miracles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um oh, sorry, Terrell. We we couldn't get your call in, but yeah, we talked about Josh Wiley earlier. Trey Scott, wide receiver is also you know, they, they typically like to take that position maybe a year ahead before they need it. And this will depend on obviously how things kind of go with T. Higgins ex- extension talk. And you know, Tyler Boyd, we don't know for sure if he's going to be back i think we can all assume he's going to but we don't know for sure if that's the 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 route they're going to go to but he still only has one year left on his deal they obviously value having three quality receivers on the field at the same time trey scott makes a lot of sense as a developmental slot guy who obviously has immediate impact as a vertical threat for sure well going to be a a fun weekend checking out some of these profs prospects that are going to continue to work out at the nfl combine again unfortunately we would have loved to have been there we had uh credentials to it and as we explained wednesday night just couldn't make it happen but we're going to keep pounding uh the content at you and uh potentially get more of those credentialed events coming your way where we get some uh, some extra access and stuff so we'll be getting that to you but keep an eye out for john at 80s a to z sports and his new gig over there keep your eyes and ears open for jason's show that he does with kevin uh three and out and then of course keep it to cincyjungle.com for your news opinions analysis podcast including this one the orange and black insider appreciate it guys have a good weekend and uh we will but let's do this again soon. Let's make it. Let's make it a somewhat regular thing again. I know it's the off season, but you know, let's let's yeah. do it again soon. Calm down. All right, take care, guys. to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. 
You can add the Fundrise Flagship Fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com slash Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise Flagship Fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com slash Flagship. This is a paid advertisement.